Tangents. Welcome to Tangents. I'm Susan Farley, Project Manager with McLaughlin Research Corporation, and I support the Public Affairs Office here at the Naval Undersea Warfare Center, Division Newport. Today's episode is part of our special series celebrating Pride Month. My guest is Travis McCune, Chief Strategist for Division Newport. So full disclosure, Travis is a friend of mine. Uh, We've been colleagues for many years now, and I tend to go to Travis to get a big picture perspective on on different aspects of work here at Division Newport. And he's just a great person to go to for any kind of work advice and, and just to get a different opinion on things. Uh, in this episode, however, we're talking really about his personal life and his experiences as a gay man and some of his influences and, and how his career has been affected at, at Division Newport. Um, my hope is that any listeners, their takeaway is that Travis is a great resource uh, to get advice about career or, or anything else. Uh, he, he's a great listener and his perspective is has been really valuable to me and I think will be to other people as well. So have a listen. Welcome to Tangents, everyone. I'm here with Travis McCune. He is the Chief Strategist for Newick Division Newport. Welcome, Travis. Thank you. It's your second time on Tangents. It is. I'm feeling pretty good about feel this pretty now. Good. You should. Yeah, you yeah. should feel pretty good about it. Uh, so June is Pride Month. And that's kind of the focus of a series of Tangents episodes that I'm doing with Vima. This one's just me and you, though, um, because Vima does have a very busy full-time job, (laughs) in addition to being the Special Emphasis Program Manager for LGBTQ. So uh, it's just me and you. So you recently started participating more in LGBTQ activities here at Division Newport, and uh, whereas you didn't really do that before. I think part of that is wanting to be maybe a mentor to people that I didn't necessarily have as I went through my uh, early <laughs> early career here at uh, Newark Newport. I just celebrated my 20 years, so I can laugh about Congratulations. my early career. And, and I think it's important. You just seem so young. It's just as funny <laughs> to say, I've been here 20 years, which that's insane. But go ahead. Um, I, I just think it's important that uh, people have people that they can trust within the organization to go to for um, non-judgmental uh, career advice and other things, just as a sounding board. Um, I've also been doing the speed mentoring and a couple other things because, again, I'd like to share my experiences with people and um, just pass along uh, the knowledge and experiences uh, I've gained. But really for the LGBTQ community, it's being a champion and also letting people know that there's someone they can come to on base and talk to about things. I think the other nice thing is since I'm in OOX, I'm not I'm not a supervisor anymore. I'm not in anyone's chain of command, so I'm a pretty uh, pretty neutral third party sounding board. So you and I recently had a discussion about connections at work, and Mark Dalton and I recently did a podcast episode about the importance of work friendships. And I mean, I'm a big believer in it, like. I still, like, I worked in a publishing company years ago. I'm still friends with those girls. Like, we vacation together. And we met at work, you know? And um, I'm a big believer in 
work friends are awesome and you need you know come into work and make some new friends like-minded people but one of the things that we talked about was how you know how do you make friends starts with small talk and for a while you you were not a big fan of small talk (laughs) and a lot of that was because you didn't want people asking you questions about your personal life i mean what is small talk but what did you do over the weekend where'd you guys go and like who did you do stuff with and you didn't want to do that. And so let's delve into that, Travis. <laughs> let's start with the hard thing first. So I will say when I first came here, I, I grew up in Ohio, went to school in upstate New York. Um, I think maybe at the time I was hired in summer 2001, there were two other people from my school that I knew who came to work here. So my community coming into Rhode Island was very small. I I didn't know very many people. I do things with certain groups of people, but it almost became like the thing we didn't talk about, right? And I was thinking about this kind of last night in preparation for this. And um, James Taylor, who just recently left Code 25, who's working down at Damneck now, a few years ago told me that it was like the thing that everyone suspected but wouldn't bring up it became like the thing that everyone suspected but none of us really wanted to specifically ask you because we felt like you weren't comfortable with that and i dwelled on that for a while because i would say yeah for me just my personal story i came out what would be considered maybe later in life but not late in life because i probably came out sophomore year of college okay right Freshman and a freshman, sophomore year of college. How'd that go? (laughs) So let me preface that by saying I came out to friends at college, freshman, sophomore year. I didn't actually end up coming out to my parents till after I graduated because I was a little concerned about how they'd, they'd handle it, and I didn't want it to impact my education because there's like... Within the community, the LGBTQ community, you see cases where families haven't handled it well, and it's impacted college for people. And that was kind of the thing we didn't really talk about when I made friends here at uh, Newark. And I would say we hung out a little after work, but maybe not as much as others. And I went and uh, pursued other friendship groups more aligned with the community. But yeah, that was kind of, if you can imagine for a minute, there were two different groups of people. I had like work friends, and even among the work friends, there were some I would hang out with outside of work, going bowling, going to get beers. And then I had um, friends within the community that didn't really know where I worked. And that makes it hard to make lasting close friendships. And I will say I am close to some of my coworkers, but it also makes it hard to have discussions with supervisors and others about career options because there's no good way to handle that. I will say this, the people I've come out to at work prior to having to come out to a lot more people were really positive and handled it really well. So I was very pleased by that. And um, we work with great people. 
Um, it was just, I was fearful that I would be judged and uh, it, it wouldn't go well. Yeah. So you had a kind of a unique experience where, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you had to come out to your boss's boss and his boss, really, before you came out to anyone else, which is a really weird, unique situation. Um, the reason I bring it up is because I was pretty impressed with how well everybody handled everything. Like, yeah, it may, and maybe my expectations were low, or I don't know. But I, I, you know, when you told me the story, I, I was like, huh, that turned out better than I would have thought it did. So, so for everyone out there in podcast land, uh, know what the security rules are. Otherwise, you will end up having to come out to your boss's boss's boss um so (laughs) so i started dating my current husband we started dating in um 2013 his name's jason we bought a house in 2015 we moved in together and we didn't get married until uh july 2016 what i thought i knew about the rules was that he was on all my security forms and everything ever since we started dating i didn't realize that the (laughs) unique next step wasn't um, if you bought a home together, it was actually cohabitating. So we hit that in October of 2015. I said, went to the security guy and was like, hey, just bought a house. He's like, what? And um, so I had to have a sit down with, um, I was a branch head in code 60E at the time. And I had to sit down with uh, Dave Grandy and I also sat down, had that had to get passed up to Mary, and that also went to Don McCormick. So I went from being out to very few people at Newark Newport to a lot of senior leadership knowing at Newark Newport just from the um, accidental misunderstanding of the uh, security requirements with regard to cohabitating. And I will say they all took it very well. Dave Grandy was very much there for me. After that, I went through the DSLDP, DOD Senior Leader Development Program, and I did multiple office calls with uh, Mr. McCormick, where he did uh, ask me about my spouse, which really, it made me feel good. And I think it showed sort of the progression of senior leadership here with regard to appreciating what the um, LGBTQ community contributes to NAVC and the NAVC mission. Every time he, uh, we had office calls with Mr. McCormick and he'd ask about my spouse, I'd, I'd smile and I was very happy. That's very sweet. By that. <laughs> so how have things opened up for you now that you're not trying to, not that you're keeping secrets, but you just weren't really interested in sharing that. And now that it's really, there's no barrier to sharing, you know, what you do, like uh, we were just before I hit record, we're talking about your house hunting and and so on. And uh, how have things sort of changed for you now that all that went down? It's, it's nice. Yeah, right? I was talking to someone who knew me back when I first started. A few weeks ago, we ran into each other, and I was telling her uh, about getting married and everything, and uh, we hadn't had a chance to chit-chat for a while, and it felt really good. 
And it, it's really nice to sort of share those experiences mm-hmm. and bond over common experiences like house hunting, going on vacations, doing things like that. So yeah, it was kind of nice. And I will say I've been um, happy with the reaction. I think there tends to be a viewpoint that DOD is uh, more conservative-leaning or more conservative in their thinking. Um, I know as just sort of an example, um, some of the three-letter intel agencies have had um, pride organizations for significantly longer than DOD has had. Um, So I think there's just a perspective in D.C. and across the board that DOD tends to be a little more conservative, but I haven't actually felt any repercussions um, from that. And it's been kind of nice. But yeah, to tell you the truth, we we don't pursue those opportunities as well as some of the other organizations and agencies do. Like, for instance, there was this... Um, coding event, LGBT coding event out in California. And um, CIA and DHS sent people to recruit from there because it was like um, college LGBT coders who were graduating or might have had a couple years professional experience. And uh, DOD really didn't send anyone to recruit from there. So diversity is great. I think intentionally recruiting is very helpful in that case. I think the other thing that I sort of took away from DSLDP and why I'm trying to be more engaged is um, everyone needs champions. Yeah. Um, And you need someone that sort of can help you give that career advice or look out for you or advocate on your behalf. Um, That's definitely true within the SES organization, which they spent a lot of time uh, talking about. But it's definitely true at the lower levels as well, having someone to go to to say, yep, I've been there. Here's how I handled it. Here's what I did moving forward. And I think uh, my uh, personal and uh, professional career, certainly there's a lot of lessons to be shared from there. Did you have a mentor? (laughs) So I was thinking about this. And so I would say there were people I learned a lot from when I first came to work at Newick. A lot. I wouldn't necessarily describe them as a mentor just because I don't think I could have gone to them as a sounding board for career or for professional decisions. If someone from uh, Newport's LGBTQ community came to you, what kind of advice would you give them? Because you, you've had a very unique path. I, I think it would depend on what challenges they're facing. I would say Rhode Island, interestingly enough, and again, I didn't know this when I initially moved here, but Rhode Island actually has a pretty solid LGBTQ um, community. Uh, maybe not on the island per se. For sure in Providence. But for sure in Providence. In fact, you saw, and again, I'm showing my age, you would see a number of people who traveled down from Boston for the weekends just because of how much better the community was in Providence. And Wickenden Street. Yeah. And uh, all the different bars and clubs which are still there. So that's kind of changed over time. Boston has built up a little more. But still, you see a lot of people coming from the surrounding areas to go to Providence um, 
for weekends and for different events. So I've been pretty happy with that uh, community. I have a lot of friends in that community, but that was something I didn't uh, necessarily know about. But I will say this, with the knowledge of that in mind, it's been hard to look at jobs in other areas because of how solid the community is in Rhode Island. There have been other positions where I've looked at, I'm like, hey, that's a cool job, but the area just, I don't think the area would be receptive to Jason and I. So it very much is a driving factor with regard to where I would take a job. Well, yeah, that speaks directly to work-life balance. Yes, very much so. And you want a community that supports who you are. And so I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen growth in um, LGBT within D.C. It's just there's now a very vibrant, flourishing community. There has been all along, but it really has upped its game over the past like 10 or so years. So that's a differentiator that a lot of companies now talk about with regard to their diversity, but not just, hey, I'm going to hire you because you're diverse, but here's a community that I've built within the company, and here are the job positions in areas that support you and then aren't going to shun you. So that's one of the big drivers of liking the Rhode Island area. And again, that was accidental, but I have other friends who are spread out across the U.S., And I would say they're in very similar areas and that they're not willing to take jobs outside of those areas no no matter what. And I think a lot of employers are really starting to see that and know that if they want to attract really great employees who happen to have uh, come from different backgrounds, different communities, then they need to make sure the job is offered in an area that will support that person and their family. So this is kind of an aside, but it, it almost feels like uh, a, an untapped uh, avenue for Newick to be like, hey, we're Newick Division Newport, and we have this growing community that we're fostering and supporting. And so if that's appealing to you, we've got that here. And you can be yeah. an engineer or scientist. Yeah. yeah. Rhode Island is... We give Rhode Island a lot of crap sometimes. Don't we? Yeah, it's not so bad. <laughs> From the tax, the excise tax. What? I'm paying a tax on my car every year yeah. until it gets old. But I got to say, the LGBTQ community of Rhode Island is one of the more solid communities. Um, I know friends in a bunch of other areas, and every time they've come here to visit, And uh, we've gone out and interacted, gone to different events. That's the other thing. It's not just about the bars and the clubs. It's about the other events. And I will say, Rhode Island gets a lot of decent events in and is really recognized for that, which you're right. I don't think we we play up as much here. Probably should. Um, I think we've got that island mentality sometimes, and we forget that Providence and everything else exists. So what does Pride Month mean to you? So I'll tell a little bit of a long story, but I'll be try to be quick about it. Um, when I was a teenager, I volunteered at the Center of Science and Industry in Columbus, Ohio, COSI. 
it's a uh, science museum, and it's nothing like the Providence Children's Museum. Trust me, it's it's a big deal. And uh, it was really cool because I would volunteer on the weekends, uh, do science stuff. And one of the supervisors at the time, and I didn't know all of this, but I would say he was an early mentor, and his name was Matt. And um, Matt was a really great guy. He had worked there for a while. He went around and did some of the COSI on wheels uh, stuff before taking a permanent supervisory position there. Um, he ran the, the first floor of COSI. And he would bring in new exhibits and science and handle the volunteers. And he was a really cool guy. It wasn't until later that um, we realized Matt was gay. And um, he um, left COSI because uh, he, uh, he had AIDS and um, left COSI. And I want to say maybe a year later he passed away. And um, so I went to his funeral, and I remember meeting his spouse, significant other, at the time. And um, he had positive words about a few of us that Matt used to talk about all the time. So he started a, um, a fund to um, bring um, meals to uh, people suffering from HIV AIDS, who maybe family members weren't taking care of them. Um, and I've donated to that for a number of years, but that was an accidental mentor. I would say that greatly influenced very much. So me going into engineering and, and he never really told us he was gay. That was, it was just, it was Matt, right? And his orientation didn't matter. He was just a really good person. Um, so when I think of pride, I think of people like that who have touched our communities and touched people personally that should have gotten more credit and that um, might not have been supported by family in the community as they should have, especially during the early part of, well, this would have been 90s, but even then, HIV, AIDS um, crisis and how he just continually gave. So I think of Matt and think of how much different my career would have been if I hadn't been a volunteer at COSI uh, working with him. And he, he taught a lot of people the value of science. So even before all the, hey, let's do STEM stuff, he really had an impact on a lot of people Um, who have gone on to science and engineering careers. And uh, it's actually funny how diverse that group of people were, even though we were all kind of nerdy kids. Um, But there was a lot of diversity there that we only found out later in life about. And uh, it's kind of cool. And um, I think of Pride Month, I think of people like that who have really contributed a lot. I'm glad you met him. Because yeah. that's kind of a little bit why you're here. Very very much. Yeah. Had had I had my way, I would have been teaching um history or social sciences now, maybe philosophy. That was uh I 
contemplated that in high school um, rather than uh, engineering, very much so. <laughs> so when I left you last week, you were going off to the weekend and you had some stuff that you wanted to kind of talk about, like think about to talk that we would talk about today. Um, so let's hit your list because you're always prepared. <laughs> So, so she's I, saying I don't this. I want to leave anything on the table. I see your piece of paper there. Because I have I a piece of paper down. in front of me that has little notes on it. And I think I've covered most of it. Uh, one of the surprising things, um, one of the things people are most surprised by is because uh, I had this discussion like 2011. So, 2009 to 2012, I was the science advisor out at Seventh Fleet and I was on Blue Ridge working with Seventh Fleet staff. And, um, there was a small group of officers, LGBTQ officers, and um, we would kind of hang out together because, again, this was... So I got to see this both pre-repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and post-repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, um, just interactions. And I would say for the military community, that had a lasting impact because even after the repeal, people just didn't feel comfortable because they didn't want it to impact their careers. So one of the things I think that really held me back personally was I didn't want people to think I was any less technically competent and technically confident. And I was worried that that bias with my sexual orientation would um, prejudge people for giving me opportunities. But what was interesting was we had a conversation one night out having coffee, let's say. And this was post Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal. And uh, they asked me something. They're like, can you still get fired for your sexual orientation? And it was kind of a gray area. And I would say it was a gray area for federal employees for a while there because it really wasn't clear from a court case perspective, like, hey, does the... Um, Civil rights stuff cover sexual orientation. Is that still a thing? So I, I had to look this up. And um, really, the decision was in June 2020 that you could not be fired for your sexual orientation. That really the civil rights... That was just last year. Yes. The civil <laughs> rights laws intended to include sexual orientation. So when we think about like... How far things have come, I would just remind people that that was only in June of 2020 based on what I pulled up. And I, I kind of feel that was the same thing. There was a lot of gray area where people were like, oh, totally, it applies. But, you know, this is one of those cases where you really want the case to sort of come through and say, yep, you can't get fired for your sexual orientation alone. So I thought that was interesting. And then... um. I would say the other thing, interesting thing I would share is, is myself and a lot of my friends got married in 2016 because there was this fear that... They were going to take it away. That at some point it would yeah. be taken away. And I think that's still a fear. I see people talking through a lot of the issues there. Hey, what are we going to do? And it definitely impacts how you do a lot of long-term planning. I have seen more, because <laughs> I'm old, 
I've seen more discussions <laughs> among the older LGBT community about trusts and wills and other things just as a precautionary measure in case their their marriage is nullified by a court case or by a, a law being passed, right? So it's really kind of interesting to see. I, I just trying to do this so that, hey, people here at Newark, Newport, even across Navsee, um, if you're looking for someone to talk to about things, especially within the LGBTQ community, Susan knows my door is always open and I uh, make time for people. If you want to grab coffee outside of work and have a discussion because maybe you don't feel comfortable at work, I can definitely um, do that we as well. We got beer night. We got beer night. So just, and then, hey, Travis, uh, can you point me to some events and some activities that go on in Providence? Sure. In fact, uh, if you want, my husband and I will walk you around Providence and show you the cool places to go. So I just, uh, I think that's, I'm doing this podcast to so people are like, oh, you know what, I can... I'm so glad. I can ask Travis. I think you're a good resource for so many Newick things, like technically, strategy-wise. And, and I mean, I, as you know, I was very delighted when you moved to my floor because I use you <laughs> all the time to, to help me understand some of the bigger picture stuff that, that I don't get and to understand some of the engineering stuff that escapes me. And so now that, uh, you know, you're sort of participating in the LGBTQ stuff, people can seek your mentorship and your advice in that area as well. And I'm I'm so thrilled. I, I just can't stress enough for people at Newick, go ask Travis if, if you're stuck on something, his door is open and he has like a big jar of fireballs and there's really no reason. 990, building 990, fifth floor, the first office on your right off the elevator. And thank you for the kind words. Um, the fireballs are mostly for me, but I, I will share. <laughs> you <do> share. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, Rich Medley used to keep fireballs in his office. And uh, I would walk by and grab uh, one every day. So uh, since he passed away, I've been keeping those in my office, but uh, for for others, but but mostly for me. And then, yeah, again, people uh, look me up, ask me questions. I'm always willing to share both uh, professional career advice as well as um, personal advice. I think this is an exciting time. And this is one area where we probably don't have a complete understanding of the workforce representation in this area. And I think there is a strong, I, I definitely saw this at the Pentagon. I'll be brutally honest. There's a, a really core group of people at the GS14, GS15, SES level within the LGBTQ community at the Pentagon that was a really solid um, community. So seeing that sort of was like, hey, you know what? When I come back to Newark, Newport, that's I want us to have that solid uh, layer two of people we can go to across the different codes with different experiences, different biases, different backgrounds, uh, for sounding boards, for mentoring, to just say, hey, what's going on? I haven't really integrated well in with Rhode Island or with Newark. 
how did you work through those issues not being a New Englander yourself? The New Englanders tend to be a little uh, little tighter than uh, they us are, from the yeah, outside. Yeah. Um, so thank you for the kind words. And uh, again, if anyone wants to hit me up, feel free to stop by. Or if you want to grab coffee outside of work and a- ask some questions of me there, I can definitely do that as well. Thank you, Travis. Thank you. Tangents. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tangents. You can find all Tangents podcasts on the Tangents Wiki, and you can follow us on Fusion, hashtag Tangents.